Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, if you have not discovered this uh, this week, I've discovered that uh, uh, stupidity is amphibious. I can't even say that word. Amphi- amphibious. That's the wrong one. I, uh, it, it can come from the right. It can come from the left. There you go. That's the word. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's just stupid. And we stand with those in Virginia that are suffering this morning and uh there was a call put out over uh, Facebook for us to stop and have prayer for the churches in Virginia this morning. I want us to do that. They have a, uh, a tough task going forward to try to bridge some gaps and some um, barriers, and we want to stand with them. Father, this morning we pray for our brothers and our sisters in uh, Virginia this morning, especially the churches that are tasked with trying to pick up the pieces and make sense of what makes no sense. And I just pray today that you would allow us to be um, as sold out to one another and to the Lamb as we are to any political position. I pray that we would uh, be a, a, a beacon of hope here, but also there in Virginia, as those ministers that have been given a microphone and are uh, assigned for such a time as this. I pray that they would speak with clarity. I pray that they would speak with compassion. I pray that they would represent you well and represent us well. And may we be set apart by our love. That's how your word says that we would be known, is by our love. So I pray that you'd show us how to love. And I pray that you'd give us opportunity this week, when somebody wants to bring the subject up of what's taking place in Virginia, that we would put our political positions aside, and we would put our kingdom position on display. And we would love one another. And we would be an agent of grace and mercy in these times of chaos as we wait for you to return. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, it's good to see you. We took a little break last week, and we appreciate you letting us do that. Uh, caught some fish, um, and it was fun. We had a good time, and so we're just delighted to be back. I, uh, I started a series the week before. I hope it's messed with you as bad as it has messed with me. Um, I would like to tell you that it was going to get easier this morning. That would be a lie. Uh, Those of you that were here that week understand that we have uh, begun to talk about the fact that I believe that, and if there was ever proof of this, uh, this, the the occurrences over the last few days have proven that as a movement that we call Christianity with all of its facets, with all of its uh, differences in all of the different areas, we are, as a movement, I believe, captured in famine. Uh, I I tried to uh, show you out of some uh, studies that have been done that we have more and more so-called Christians moving from uh, convictional Christians that allow what we believe to impact their entire life. We are now finding that more and more are moving towards cultural Christianity, which means they look more like their culture than they do Jesus, but they still call themselves Christians. That's why they carry stupid flags and do stupid stuff, because they're more like their culture than they are 
Jesus, but they call themselves Christians. And so we're in this, the early stage, or nationally, I'm not sure it's the early stages. The, uh, as a movement, I, I think it's deep set. I do believe that here in, in because I, can't, I don't have the platform to talk to the nation. I have a platform to talk to us. And I declare to you as a body that my concern for us is that we too, if we're not careful, and we're going to talk, we've been talking one week, um, and, and we're going to continue to talk about this, that I'm concerned that I sense that some of that famine has taken up early root here in Passion. And I, I begin to uh, uh, lay out for you some of the symptoms that I believe are an indication of, of famine in our midst. And I want us to be aware of these because I want us to go to war against these and make sure that these don't take up long-term residence. But here are some of the, the, the things that I said to you two weeks ago. I said, we can sense famine because we see the glazed over eyes. When you can come into the, the, the atmosphere of worship that we try to establish each week and your eyes glaze over. That says to me that we're that there's some famine setting in. When, when when I see a lack of passion, when I see lack of participation, uh, participation in worship, or or lack of concern, or lack of action, or lack of obedience to the word in any area of our life, when we see that, then we recognize that those that that's the early stages of famine. When we can hear the word week after week declared, but we don't actually apply the word, then it leads to famine. When, when we take gathering like this for granted, and if any better option comes along, we take it. Even though scripture says to gather together. Why? Because we need one another. That's why. We need an expression together like this each week where we gain strength because there are a lot of weeks I come in here and I'm weak, but as I spend time with you, I get strong and I feed off of you. And when we, when we, when we treat that as optional, then it's the early stages and early signs of famine. When, when we see scenes like we've seen this week, and the first thought that comes to mind is that sad that we're in famine. Because it's more than sad, it's sin. When, when, when scenes like we saw this week don't move us and break our hearts, and we just change the channel to the football game because it's easier, those are the early signs of famine. Okay, I've been gone a week and y'all are still quiet on me. Okay, I told you that famine, in my opinion, is a direct result of the plague of plenty. Because we've had so, we've had it so good, and because we've had so much, particularly in this body, we've we've heard the word go forth in so many ways. I'm not taking credit for that. Through a variety of voices, we've heard the powerful word of God declared in our midst, and 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 we take it for granted, and we get. We, we, we treat it as if it's always going to be like that and that it's like this everywhere. We're, we have a plague of plenty of worship. We come in under the anointing of powerful uh, worship, musicians and singers that have this ability under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to literally open up heaven for us. And, and we want to complain about their song selection or that it's too loud or it's not the right style. The plague of plenty. I told you that the plague of plenty brings us um, to this place where we become more concerned about preference than we do his presence. So the type of worship song, the type of preacher, the type of style causes us to turn away as if, as if it won't sustain us anymore. And we turn our, our attentions away from what God provided for us. And so then I ask you this question. 
Because this is what the children of Israel did. They, be, they had so much at their disposal. They had so much manna that they turn up their nose at angel food cake. And I've asked you this question two weeks ago. And I want to. it is the paramount question of this whole series is this. Is what if God's not done with manna yet? If our desire for fish overrules our willingness to take manna, then our desire for fish will cause us to wind up in famine. And so I ask you to search your own heart. I think it's the early stages. I, I, I'm not a prophet of doom. I think it's the early stages. That's why I'm hitting you about this now. I had no intention of talking about famine this year. It got interrupted my schedule. He does that sometimes. He says, talk about famine because I think, I, I do believe it's the early stages. I do believe it's the, just that we just crossed the threshold. And that's important for us because if we take the right steps and we do the right things, we can stop it. And I want to stop it before we begin to experience the long-term impact and implications which some of y'all have been church, involved in churches that have experienced the long-term implications and impact of famine. And decade after decade after decade goes by and nobody gets saved and nobody gets set free and nobody's delivered. And we wake up 20 years from now and we realize we've been through a 20-year famine and it's too late. We're not there yet. And that's why I'm bringing this to your attention. So I want you to join me. This morning, it's going to freak you out when I tell you where. Uh, I want us to talk about one of the keys of stopping a famine before it becomes widespread and fatal. John chapter 4. How many of you were here last week? Okay. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 18. Sound familiar? I'll tell you about that in a minute. It's kind of weird how God works sometimes, but let's read it again out of a different version. Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed, although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing. They had posted the score that Jesus was ahead, turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and he went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out, just so this is not part of my message, but I'm glad that Jesus got tired too. That helps me. It helps me. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water, and Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for the lunch, for, for lunch, and the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. And the woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. That's the opposite of famine, by the way. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. And he said, 
go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. I thought about uh, the concept that I want to share with you this morning regarding famine. And I could have pointed you to many passages of Scripture uh, throughout the Bible. For instance, here are some of the ones I could have gone from. I could have talked to you about uh, the fact that the children's, uh, children of Israel's pattern of disobedience leads to repeated circling and leads to bondage and leads eventually to spiritual famine. I could have used them as the backdrop to deal with what we're going to deal with today. I could have used um, uh, Solomon's pursuit. He had this pattern of pursuit of pleasure that ultimately leads him, leads him to this spiritual famine in his own life to where in Ecclesiastes he says, everything's folly, nothing really matters. I have nothing left. I've experienced all the pleasure I can experience and have found out that it leaves me wanting. I'm in famine. I, I could have taken you into the New Testament and we could launch from the study of the Pharisees because the Pharisees had this pattern of legalism but it resulted in a famine of form with no power they knew about God they just couldn't encounter God they attended passion week after week but they never really encountered God for themselves and they had this form of godliness but no power I could uh, uh, take you to the the account of the man that was at the pool of Bethesda who had this pattern of waiting on someone else to access God for him and it resulted in 38 years of paralyzed famine. Daddy emailed me um, Tuesday about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I had completed my message uh, for this week and when I saw the email pop up on my screen, I panicked because uh, without us talking... It said, text, John chapter 4. And then the verses, and I was like, oh, we're in trouble. Uh, there have been countless messages preached from the text that I have read to you this week. Um, I've personally preached about the fact that Jesus will adjust his schedule to get to you. That's truth. I, I've preached to you about that Jesus will go places that nobody else will go because he wasn't supposed to be where he was, but he did it on purpose. So he will go to reach people that nobody else will reach. That's truth. Um, I've, I've preached about the, the implications of the water. It's, it's living water, all, all that kind of stuff. You've heard my dad's explanation just recently, last week in fact. If you haven't listened to it, you need to go listen to it about this passage of Scripture. But this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to you about because all of those are good, but I want to talk to you about the fact that this passage of Scripture directly speaks to and is germane to the conversation about famine. What this passage of Scripture does is it reveals to us that famine is a direct result of patterns that parch. Patterns that parch. I want you to notice that in this account, uh, really what's taking place is a woman is living in a constant state of famine simply because of the patterns of her life that continue to take place. That, that, that is, in essence, what happens, and Jesus stops by to see her. I believe he's there for her, and he initiates a spiritual conversation that reveals to her that there are patterns in her life that continue to result in dryness 
and famine. She, uh, th- this woman reveals her own emptiness and I believe she reveals a desperation uh, for, for something different and for a feeling because uh, when Jesus begins to talk to her about the kind of water that wouldn't diminish and that would never run dry and that would completely and totally satisfy, she, she comes back to Jesus and her response is, give me a drink of that. In a very real way, she's saying, I don't ever, in fact, I read it to her, she never wants to have to come back at noon because no, we believe because none of the other ladies would have anything to do with her because she was an outcast, because she was promiscuous, and so she didn't want to have to traipse in the heat, and if you haven't been there, you don't understand the heat of the day and come and draw water all by herself. And so she said, sir, please give me a drink. I don't ever want to have to come here again. I think she recognized that she had famine. But what Jesus does is in response, he exposes to her and makes her come to grips with a pattern in her life that is producing famine. And so he does it like this. He says, go get your husband. Y'all do know that Jesus wasn't just the priest. Jesus was a prophet. Go get your husband. He knew she didn't have a husband. He knew she'd had five husbands and that she was shacking up. He understood that. He did it on purpose. This isn't just a a coincidence. It's just not how he happened. He knew what was going on in her life. He, He throws it right in her face not to be mean. He does it to expose the pattern that continues to produce famine in her life. He, 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 said he is attacking this pattern, and here's the pattern that he sees evident in her life. This woman was substituting relationship with men for a relationship with the father that would satisfy. I mean, she's five husbands in, shacking up with another one. She's six in the process here, and she's still not satisfied and still not happy. And Jesus sees that in her own life and he attacks it and said, that's the pattern. You've substituted earthly men for a heavenly father. And you keep looking for satisfaction and you keep looking for fulfillment. And you keep looking for all this in men and they will never satisfy. And he forces her to come face to face with the pattern of her life. She was constantly and consistently going back to the same well, repeating the same pattern, and she was dry. She's literally trying to fill the void in her heart with human companionship, and she's been left dry. Same well, over and over and over again. Even though she had already proven It wouldn't work. How many of us continue to visit the same well over and over and over trying to find fulfillment, trying to find a break from the famine that has invaded our own life and we drink and we walk away and we become thirsty again? Too many of us are locked into patterns that parch. I'm going to break some of these down for you. Some of us are locked into jobs that we absolutely hate. 
And so we, we go and we clock in and we drudge through our day and it's a pattern. We're scared to what God has said, do something else, but we're scared to step out on faith because the bills are too high and we won't make the decisions we need to make. And we go and we clock in, clock in, clock in. And at the end of the day, we're like Jesus when he arrived at the well. We're worn out. But we just keep doing it. Day in, day out. For some of us, it's the same well of relationship. This, these relationships drain us and drain us and drain us and drain us and drain us. And we won't take any steps out of our pattern. We won't go get help. We won't go talk to a counselor. We won't get any advice. And we're banging our head up against the wall. And it's draining us. For some of you that aren't married, that are single, that are dating, some of you are in dating relationships, or maybe it's in friendship relationships, where these relationships are draining, 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 and you won't walk away. And they leave you exhausted and dry. But it's a pattern. For some of you, it's spending patterns. Because the spending patterns that you're in, they're entirely unsustainable. And you know it. You know it by the fact that the bill keeps coming and they keep coming in the mail and calling you and saying, we're going to take everything you've got. And you know you can't sustain it, but you keep spending anyway in hopes that it will provide you the next purchase. Surely the next purchase will make me happy. Surely the next person purchase that I make will be the one that causes me to sit back and go, whoo, I'm finally arrived and I'm everything I wanted to be. And patterns of spending produce famine repeated trips to the same well and were continuously thirsty. Jesus stops this woman in her pattern and he says to her in no uncertain terms, that will never work. And I just stopped by here to tell you this morning that in the early stages of famine that I see coming against us, there are patterns in our life that if we're not careful, if we don't stop them, they will cause a famine to come to full term. And I'm telling you, the stuff that you're trying to do to stop, to, to make you happy, the, the stuff that you're trying to do to bring fulfillment will never satisfy. You better recognize the patterns of your own life. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second that will provide, if you're not careful, dryness. This is what Jesus knew. Please, if you don't get anything else I say, please listen to what I, I'm about. I'm about to help somebody right here. Some of y'all for years have been going back to the same well, same well, same well, same well, same well. You can't figure out why. Date the stupidest guys, I can't figure out why. Date the stupidest girl, can't figure out why. Keep spending money I don't have, I can't figure out why. I'm getting ready to tell you why. Got your pens ready? Jesus knew this. That if we're going to break famine in our own lives, we got to know this truth. Any need that is repetitive needs a system to resolve it. And if you don't have a system to resolve a repetitive need, then that need will produce a pattern that produces famine. Okay, I'm going to help you, okay, because some of y'all don't understand. This, I'm going to break it down three ways. This woman had a repetitive need for relationship, but she had no system in place to resolve or to solve that need in a way that would sustain or fulfill her. 
Okay, you didn't get that one. Another account reveals the same truth. It's the story of Gideon. The account is set against the backdrop of a system with no system. They had a repetitive need but had no system to stop the enemy. So every time the Israelites would plant their seed, they had this need for harvest, but they had no system to stop the enemy. They had a repetitive need of harvest, but they had no system to stop the enemy. So every time the enemy would come in, and produce famine. Okay, y'all still don't get it. So here, let me get real practical. A mortgage. A mortgage comes with a repetitive need. There are two of them. If you want to buy a house, you will ha- unless you're just unbelievably wealthy and have cash stuffed in your mattress that nobody knows about, you will have to get a mortgage. All right, A mortgage produces a repetitive need in your life. Number one, it produces a repetitive need to make a payment. So you've got to have a system in place to produce the resources necessary to make the payment. And if you don't make the payment because you had no system by which to fulfill the repetitive need, you will experience famine. Okay, are y'all with me this morning? Okay, it produces a second repetitive need. The second repetitive need is you've got to send the payment in on time. So if you don't have a system by which, like an automatic withdrawal, a calendar on, on your phone, a reminder, and you don't fulfill the repetitive need of making the payment on time, then I can promise you, since you had no system, it will produce a pattern that will produce famine. Are you with me? Okay. The reason that some of us experience a spiritual famine is because we don't have any systems in place to resolve the repetitive need to get to know God and encounter God. I'm preaching and y'all staring at me. We have a repetitive need. You're born with it. We have a repetitive need to experience God on a regular basis. I have a repetitive need to know Him. I have a repetitive need to come and do an encounter with Him. I have a repetitive need for His presence. And if I have no systems in place to resolve my repetitive need, it will will produce a famine. So let me try to help you. Patterns that parch must be countered with patterns that provide. I'm concerned that many of us have become very comfortable in famine or we've, confu- we've, been, we've become very confused about what will resolve our famine. That was her situation. She was experiencing famine and she was confused about what would resolve it. That's our condition for most of us. So what we've got to do is we've got to understand that there are patterns in our life that are producing the parchedness of our life. We must counter those with patterns that provide. What am I saying? I'm saying this. It is essential for each and every one of us that count themselves as a part of passion to do some self-diagnosis and to pinpoint in our own life what patterns in our life are causing us to experience famine. What's drying me out? 
What's causing me to come into a, a situation like we've come into this morning? And, and the glory of God, we're singing about the glory of God. And instead, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for lunch. My eyes glaze over. I've got other things. What's causing that? Because if you don't have a system in place to resolve that, you will continue to repeat that. You have to replace the pattern that parches with a pattern that provides. Okay, y'all still see. Too many of us are waiting on God to bring us out of famine, and he's trying. But because we haven't identified and stopped the patterns that parch, then what happens is, is, is that we get a small taste, a small drink, a small, just a, a, a morsel, and we think we're satisfied, and we walk away, and the pattern kicks back in, and we lose it. So we got to fix our patterns. So here, I'm going to get really practical. I, I wrote these down very practical on purpose. I'm going to get in your mess right now. If the pattern that parches me is no prayer, then I must set up a system of prayer. And this is good, and I don't know what's going on, but y'all, just, I don't know if you're just drinking it in. I hope you're just drinking it in. Okay. If, if I am experiencing a spiritual famine in my life because I'm not praying, then I can continue to repeat that pattern for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and continue in famine. Or I can set up a system in my life that causes me to pray. You mean I might have to, like, get up early? If that's the system necessary. You mean I might have to go to bed earlier on a Saturday night because then I, I, I won't be ready to experience and encounter him on Sunday morning? That's exactly what I'm saying. You have to develop systems to fix the patterns so that the patterns are broken. If the pattern that parches us is not being obedient and giving, then we set up a system. We Because some of y'all are walking around in bondage simply because you have no system in place to deal with the commanded tithe. And because you won't deal with the commanded tithe, then you're under a curse. And you keep going, I don't know why I'm cursed. Because you have no system in place. That's why for some of you, a, du a direct withdrawal may be the best thing. Okay, that went over huge. Okay. Because what really tends to happen is the husband blames the wife and the wife blames, never mind. Okay. If the pattern that continues to produce famine in my life is a pattern of uh, starting and stopping things and never finishing anything, then I must set in place a pattern that prov uh, 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 a system that provides. So what I got to do is if I'm one of those people that always starts something, never finishes anything, I'm always excited about something and I never bring it to completion, then I got to put a system in place of people that come along behind me and say, you didn't finish, don't you dare start something else. You, you, you Flavor of the month, get back in here and work. Get back on this, finish this, finish what you started. You got to have people that will hold you accountable. I'm going to keep going. If if the pattern that drives me out is secrecy, then I've got to put a system in place in my life that exposes me to scrutiny. Some of y'all are famished because of what's taking place in your secret life. The one you don't think anybody knows about. And you're one system away from breaking the famine in your life, and it's called scrutiny. You need somebody or some system in place that will manage you when nobody else will manage. Okay, all right. Um, if pride is a pattern that starves me, then I must put a system in place of humbling experiences to remind me who I am. 
if I have a pattern in place, listen to this, if I have a pattern in place of isolation, then I must establish a system in my life that will force me to come out of my own isolation and to break the pattern of being a hermit because I know that out of isolation the enemy comes in and he steals from me because I have nobody else fighting with me. So I put a system like a small group in place that will call me and contact me and check on me and we do life together and that way I'm not isolated. I may not be the life of the party of, of 100 people when, and I'm the center. No, but, but, but if I could just get three or four people and some of you have isolated yourselves to the place that you're famished. You won't let anybody get close. You hold everybody at arm's length. You leave before the last amen. You come in late. You make a beeline to the car. And you check it off your list. I did church Sunday. But your isolationism is killing you. You need a system. If I am famished because of a pattern of self-centeredness, then I must systematically serve. Why do we keep hitting you up about serving at the pantry? Why? It's because as you serve others, you forget about you. And we all need to forget about us. Being more like Jesus doesn't mean you think about yourself less. It means you don't think about yourself at all. And the only way that that happens is as you serve other people. It is a system in your place, in your life, that provides provision to your life. Too many of us are like this woman at this well, and we continue to repeat the same pattern year after year. All the while, it's producing famine in us, and we do nothing about it. We just keep traipsing back to the same well over and over and over again. We've been in existence for 10 years, and some of you are in the same pattern you were when we first met you 10 years ago. The same pattern, the same pattern. The same pattern, and you're drier and drier and drier and drier. And I am telling you that we can stop a famine if we could diagnose the patterns of our life and install systems to resolve the pattern. So this 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 going. I'm asking you to do this this morning. I'm asking you, Tim, if you'll come. I'm asking you to do some of the hardest work you've ever done. I'm asking you to examine your own life and look for, pinpoint, don't let yourself off, This because we like to let ourselves off the hook. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not that bad, and it results in famine. I'm asking you to diagnose patterns in your own life. Why? Because today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'm going to say that one more time. What you're complacent about today will bring captivity in your life tomorrow. So if you let yourself off the hook today and don't deal with it, 10 years from now, 10 years from now, you'll wake up dry as a bone because you established no, no systems to deal with your pattern. Jesus goes to this well and he asks this lady to go back to get her husband. He is literally asking her, look, lady, look at your life. You've eaten up. I want, I'd like to know how long 
five husbands. I mean, was she a 30-dayer? Were they like one-year-long relationships? Were they 10-year-long? You think, come on now, think about this. You think about the amount of energy and time, the decades perhaps, that she has gone to the same well over and over and over again looking for love. Should I? In all? Okay. To the degree that when she's face to face with the system that can resolve her repetitive needs, she doesn't even recognize it. What's your pattern? What do you go back? What, what's your go back? What's your fallback position? When I need to feel like I'm somebody, this is what I fall back to. Another man, another woman, buy a new house, buy a new car, buy a new pair of jeans. Brag about myself a little bit. Promote myself. If you can figure out the pattern, I believe Jesus will show you a system that you can put in place that will break the pattern. Some of you are looking at me kind of crazy this morning because you don't have, for some reason, you've become so comfortable in the famine of your own life, you don't even have the ability to diagnose your own life. That's why what we do here on Sunday morning is so important because you got people around you that can see if you let them. But there's a system in place that deals with repetitive need. There are people in this room that God will give insight and they, they some of them already know it because they know you well enough. They know your need. If you would let them, even if you can't hear Jesus, they already have, and they would go, they would be able to look at you and go, "Come on, man! Why do you keep doing this? Stop! Come on, girl! You you're chasing the same kind of guy over and over and over again. What's wrong with you? When are you gonna wake up? And I'm the answer to your repetitive need. I'm going to hold you accountable. When I see you chasing that kind of guy again, I'm going to step in. I'm going to slap you down. Verbally. Wake up. Kick him to the curb. Or it could be, man, I just sense you haven't really prayed like you should. Why don't we get together and pray? I hold you accountable. You hold me accountable. That's a, that's a system that will deal with our repetitive need for prayer. Or maybe it's, hey, I, I know you haven't, you haven't read your word in like six months, man. Why don't we get together on version and we'll, we'll get on a Bible plan together. Maybe it's afraid about what you're looking at on, on your computer. I'm a little nervous. Why don't you sign up for Covenant Eyes and make me your accountability partner? I see you working 16 jobs and you can't make ends meet. So my question is, are you tithing? Well, I can't afford to tithe. Come on. You can't afford not to. So, so we'll do this together. I'll ask you every Sunday, did you bring your tithe? You can ask me. We'll show it to each other. Okay, I, I'm, I, ooh, that one flew back at me. Oh, my word. All I'm talking about is being honest enough with ourselves. 
and being proactive enough to set up systems that will resolve the repetitive need that is leading to my famine. So I'm asking you to do some really hard work this morning. And I'm going to give you time to do it. Father, this morning I pray. My heart is heavy because I sense the early stages of dryness and I sense the early stages of famine. Father, this morning I ask you to help us individually. This is not a corporate deal. We can't fix this corporately until we first fix it individually. I ask that individually this morning you would help us to be honest with ourselves. I pray that you would begin to speak in that voice that we cannot ignore. Your word declares that sheep know the shepherd's voice. I pray that we would not be distracted right now. That we would hear your voice. And I pray that you would allow us to let our walls down and I pray that we would do some self-diagnosis and we would recognize patterns and here in a moment Father if as, as we take time to do this if there's one in this room that doesn't have the ability to see that pattern in themselves I pray that you would send a trusted messenger that would enable us to see what's drying us out. Speak clearly, I pray, this morning so that we can break patterns that parch so that systems can be put in place to meet the need of our life. I ask you to do this because we need you to do this. In Jesus' name, would you do this with me? Would you find a place to pray? At the given opportunity, I will instruct Pastor Andrew and he will come and close. But if I let you out of here without doing what we're getting ready to do, you'll walk right back into your pattern. Because this is part of your some of your pattern. You hear the word with no system in place to apply the word. And I'm asking you to get alone with God for about the next, oh, we got plenty of time. Next six hours, no, next five minutes. Some of you don't, I can see it on some of your face, you don't even want to do this. Because you're scared he'll show you. And then it'll cause you to have to go do something about it. I'm asking you to take about five minutes, get along with God, listen clearly for His voice, let Him speak to you about the patterns of your own life. And in the midst of that five minutes, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, go speak to someone, don't you dare disobey because they may be struggling with inability to, to identify their pattern and God could be sending you to say, this is the pattern, and I'm part of your solution. And I believe that God's going to lead us to a well 
that will not run dry individually so that we can get there corporately. Would you find a place to pray? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.